0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: Hey, just a warning, there's some
0: strong language in this episode. And then we'll just look at each other saying, everyone's done for, basically. I think everyone's going to die.
1: Family holidays, they can be pretty unpredictable. And when you're an adult, harder to make
0: happen. We hadn't done a family trip since... 1990 when we went to the coast or whatever it is. So as you know, you know, you grow up and you go off and do your own holidays. So this was pretty special.
1: So they set out. Kelly, her brother, her sister-in-law and her mum and dad. First to China to finally see where Kelly's dad grew up and then Malaysia for a family wedding on her mum's side. Of course holidays are a bit different now. Kelly's an adult. Her parents are getting
0: older for one thing. We really wanted to obviously step in and do the basics, help with the bags, you know, lift them them out of the car, off the baggage, you know, into hotels and that kind of thing.
1: Kelly's dad plays tennis every week. He's healthy. But Kelly and her brother keep looking at him, his head bold, his body small, and it's like they just can't see him the way they did when they were young.
0: He's older now. I kind of think of him as a Chinese Yoda. (laughs) He proves them wrong with the bags, though. He's small, he's lean, he's sort of quick and nimble. <laughs> and um, when he's uh, waiting for a bag out of the carousel, he's very ready, he's very alert. And, of course, you've got to bend at the knees. Still,
1: she wants to help her dad. She and her brother are grown-ups now and they should be taking the load, right? I'm Faza Draki and this is Days Like These. We're about to go on holiday with Kelly Yang and her family. A trip to Malaysia where Kelly learns more than she had bargained for about her parents and about physical combat.
0: It's incredibly hot, incredibly humid. Ooh, when you get out, it just hits you like a, a wet sack, basically.
1: The wedding that brings them all to Kuala Lumpur is a multi day affair. Her mum has organised their itinerary down to the last detail. She's excited. After all, she's going back to see her extended family.
0: And that means everything is big. Lots of colour, lots of beautiful traditional costumes, loads of people, loads of food. It's tropical over there. Everything's very green and and rich and a beautiful setting.
1: Kelly and her brother, who've grown up in Melbourne suburbs, haven't always had access to their extended family in Australia. But on this trip... Some of Kelly's uncles take it upon themselves to take the younger ones out on the town. There's whiskey and green tea shots. They have a lot of fun. And the day after the wedding, when everything's over,
0: she's feeling pretty tired. Whenever we go out with family, it's excess. They eat the house down, they order the house down. It's mud crabs with noodles. It's just like 20 dishes loaded up on the table and then you're just sort of desperate for a little bit of space a little bit of simplicity but a bit of Vegemite on toast
1: ah Vegemite toast there's nothing like it for a hangover
0: but there wasn't any toast in Kelly's great aunt's house where she's staying a beautiful house just sort of a cool little oasis from sort of the dustiness and the heat outside
1: Kelly's aunt owns the house next door too it's where her brother and sister-in-law
0: are sleeping
1: but bunch of family are up and about where Kelly is and
0: people just keep milling in and out. We were sort of all gathering downstairs. The fans were on because, you know, it's all, always hot. I was sort of picking at some fruit. I've got beautiful tropical fruit there, of course, looking at a recipe book and everyone's just sort of relaxing and doing their own thing.
1: Everyone's up, but by around 11, Kelly's mum and great aunt are starting to wonder where her brother and sister-in-law are. I mean... A sleep-in is a sleep-in, right? And it's the day after the wedding, so Kelly doesn't really worry about it. She's still focused on the Vegemite.
0: But still, it's late. And mums, they worry. She was wondering where my brother and sister-in-law were, because, you know, they were just in the house next door. They hadn't gotten up yet. I just thought, who cares, they're probably just sleeping in or whatever, so I didn't think more of it.
1: But with big auntie energy, Kelly's great-aunt decides everyone's had enough of a sleep-in, so she goes next door to wake them. My great-aunt came in
0: and she said, there's been a break-in. She's talking about the house where her brother is. She wasn't panicked, it was just urgent and matter-of-fact. And this piece of information clearly penetrated all our brains because we just went on autopilot.
1: Kelly sees her dad and uncles, but not her mum. She's momentarily worried,
0: but doesn't have time to really register this piece of information. I stood up. I didn't have shoes on, but immediately we just start heading over to the other house to see what's going on. And I remember her saying, get sticks. Sticks
1: weren't the only things Kelly, her dad and uncles grabbed as they started cautiously
0: walking along the garden path on their way to the other house. My uncle found a a stripy umbrella, so he picked that up, and there happened to be two bamboo poles sort of in the backyard. My dad and uncle picked up those, and I think, you know, maybe there was a mop. And I remember the pet dogs were there as well, and they were sort of walking around with us, but they didn't want to go into the house.
1: The dogs were nervous, and so was Kelly, her dad and uncles.
0: But they go in through the back door of the house. It was dark and there was upturned drawers and there was broken glass and paper and books, everything all over the floor. And and I just thought, oh, no, you know, your heart sinks because, you know, something is terribly wrong. It's unnaturally quiet in the house.
1: Kelly and her family tiptoe inside with their weapons, the mops, the poles and the umbrellas all at the ready. Still, there's no sign of her brother or his wife.
0: We get to the bottom of the stairs and we know... They sleep upstairs, that's where the bedrooms are. And my dad shouts out my brother's name. There's this pause. You're just hoping someone's going to shout back. But instead there's this sort of terrible silence. And the silence seems
1: to go on forever. Kelly watches her father, wondering at the calculations he's making in his head. What's he going to do?
0: And then suddenly two... Masked men, all dressed in black and balaclavas, leap out of their bedrooms and come barreling down the stairs. To me, it looked like they jumped whole flights of stairs. And I thought, holy fuck.
1: The sight of two men flying downstairs at single bound was scary enough. Two men with machetes is something Kelly can
0: barely process. But there they are. Two large silver-looking blades. They're coming at us extremely quickly and I'm just shouting, run and go, go, go. I felt like at this point I could have rolled into a ball and gone, no, I'm not dealing with this. But I was shaking and looking around for anything that I could use as a weapon. And I found a fry pan. I picked it up and I stood up and turned around to see my dad and my two great uncles and they were fending off these two intruders. It's utterly terrifying because you're thinking, oh my God, these two men had machetes. Machetes versus bamboo poles. Not ideal.
1: But luckily, the poles are really long, so as her dad and uncles are thrashing them around, it's actually helping to keep the intruders at bay.
0: Kelly, meanwhile, is still on autopilot. I just stood up and I was thrashing the fry pan on the corner of the sort of stainless steel bench top and I was shouting, fuck "Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. This isn't the sort of language Kelly uses in front of her dad. This is not the time to be polite. With the
1: crashing of the frying pan and Kelly yelling, it's a cacophony. But
0: Kelly can make out the outline of her dad faced with the attackers. They looked big, they looked tall, they looked like black mountains, basically. And then you've got my dad, who's small, and I remember his legs were bent, concentrating with this pole and trying to keep them away and push them out the door. This man, who had so
1: carefully picked up the bags from the luggage carousel, bending at the knees to protect his back, who's quiet and considered, he's now determined to keep these two machete-wielding men at bay and get them out of the house. It's a combination of blocking and pushing these two masked men away. Chinese Yoda
0: is in full flight, but the men are so big, Kelly's starting to lose hope. I just didn't see how we could win this one or get out of it in one piece. It's then that Kelly sees her great-uncle.
1: He's holding an umbrella and he's been cut. She doesn't know if her dad can keep going, but she's got to help her uncle. She grabs him and together they run out the back door. They make it outside, past the clothes drying in the sun. into a shed.
0: And we just stood there in the shed looking at each other thinking, oh my goodness, what is happening? He was panicked because he was saying, you know, how bad is it, his face? And I I was trying to reassure him, you know, it's not, it's not too bad. And then I was looking for something to put on it to stop the bleeding and then we're just looking at each other saying, everyone's done for, basically. I think everyone's going to die. At this point, Kelly
1: is thinking all sorts of things, farcical things like, Christmas is going to be really quiet this year. She realises she hasn't seen her mum, doesn't know where she is. Together with her uncle, they stay in the shed for a while. She hears her dad, but when she calls out to him, he doesn't answer. We're sort of wondering what to do. Do we go out? Where are these guys? What's happening? Eventually, they decide to get out of the shed. They creep out, still on the
0: lookout and run back into the main house. It was mayhem in there, no one knew what was going on. I saw my dad and my uncle, I couldn't believe that they were still alive. They were holding the bamboo poles and I was checking my dad's body because I thought there's got to be flashes of red and blood all over him, but there wasn't. This is a miracle. And dad just looked at me and said, where's your mum?
1: They had managed to fend off the intruders and push them out the front door. They were gone. Kelly's brother, sister-in-law and mum are still missing. Kelly calls for help from the one person who's guaranteed
0: to not be any help at all. I just sort of ran upstairs and I ended up telephoning my boyfriend at the time who was in Australia and I said... I think everyone's dead. I don't know where my brother, sister-in-law is and mum. And he said, oh, don't be silly. They've gone down to the shops or something. And I said, no, I don't think you understand. I think everyone's dead. And then I sort of explained what had happened. And if you can imagine the complete helplessness he had being hours and hours away on a plane. And he just said, get on the roof.
1: Of course, she doesn't get on the roof. There's too much family chaos. There are injuries, missing family members and a fear of the intruders returning.
0: Everyone was on edge. Everyone was jittery. People were running everywhere. And you can really tell everyone's got different reactions to very stressful situations. You know, some people are sort of shouting, some people are just extremely quiet and they sort of withdraw into themselves. And then the phone rang. On the other line, happily, was my brother. And he was saying, we're okay." The relief is
1: palpable. Eventually, her brother, her sister-in-law and her mum
0: all walk back into the house where the rest of the family are. They looked shell-shocked, and it was sort of quite at odds with what it was like with the people who were already there because they we were all shouting on top of each other, trying to explain what had happened, and trying to share bits of information, what's going on, and then these three were incredibly quiet. You know, very slowly we found out what had happened to them.
1: Some of Kelly's family members are calling the police, trying to figure out what's missing if anyone else is injured. In the middle of all that, Kelly's brother
0: starts to retell their story. He realised that something very bad was happening when big men in balaclavas and all in black burst into the bedroom. And he sort of said immediately to my sister-in-law, we've got a problem. Kelly's brother was tied
1: up and her sister-in-law was left alone in the bedroom.
0: At this stage, the intruders were making demands, so they were holding machetes to their wrists and threatening to chop off their hands. If they didn't sort of help them, they wanted jewellery, they wanted credit cards, money, mobile phones, passports, airline tickets, anything they could get their hands on. Her brother continues recounting the story. They're looking through their suitcases, probably undoing all their excellent packing, and saying, is this T-shirt for boys or girls? Would this T-shirt look good on me? They were trying to sort of play good cop, bad cop, I guess. And one of them was saying, you know, we've got normal day jobs, we've got families and everything. And then the other one would be more threatening.
1: And this moment, this is when Kelly's mum had gone up to rouse her
0: son and daughter-in-law to get out of bed. If you can imagine an older middle-aged woman, in a shorts and T-shirt, plopping up the stairs, and then one of the men with machetes came out and put a knife to her neck and took her into the bedroom. He was looking at all the jewellery and saying, you know, is this gold chain valuable? And she's saying, just have it. And she's trying to turn her wedding rings around. You know, they took her into the room and sat her next to my sister-in-law. And she took her wedding rings off and tried to hide them in her pocket.
1: Then her mother, brother and sister-in-law are saved. The men run from them, disturbed by Kelly's dad's calls for his son. They hear the men fly down the stairs and just can't believe their luck. But their relief is short-lived as they listened to the banging of Kelly's fry pan, the shouting, the chaos
0: of the fight downstairs. My mum and my sister-in-law and my brother, they just thought the worst. How could they not? There was just this terrible noise going on downstairs and they just thought, everyone's done for.
1: They heard running, yelling, and then silence. The intruders had taken their mobiles, but they managed to find an old phone in the back of a cupboard. They plugged it in. And that's when they're called to say they were okay. Once everyone is there and accounted for, that's when the weird shock of it all sinks in and
0: everyone copes with stress in their own unique way. One of my uncles, you know, what do you do when you're in a completely panicked state and something pretty dreadful's happened? He got on the phone and he called up and he ordered a huge amount of takeaway Japanese. So he had this enormous order of really delicious sushi. I remember there was fried chicken karaage there and, you know, no one was eating very much. I remember my poor sister-in-law just trying to take a tiny bite of anything but couldn't eat. But we had this amazing spread of food. Not many people could eat. And that night no one could sleep. I went to bed that night, had a a shovel next to me. My dad had a baseball bat and he slept with his glasses on because he wanted to be ready in case anything happened. And, you know, everyone was sort of also looking out the windows to try and see if there was anyone out there. And then the next few days was an absolute blur of police reports and all of that, trying to rebook flight tickets, just trying to organise everything. They'd stolen Wedding rings, they've stolen passports, they've stolen phones. But it's not often that you get to dial into work and say, sorry, can't come into work, have been attacked by men with machetes. When
1: they're finally ready to leave Malaysia, Kelly's dad and her uncle share a special moment
0: at the airport. My great-uncle just shook my dad's hand and he said, comrade. Farewell, comrade. Like old warriors in arms, they clasp hands and part ways. They were older men then, you know, they tried to fight alongside each other. At long
1: last, Kelly and her family are on the plane to Melbourne.
0: I can't describe the feeling of joy when we got on that aeroplane and even greater joy when the wheels actually hit the tarmac. It's just the most wonderful feeling to sort of be driving back through the very boring suburbs, just this mundane greenness to get back to our home.
1: That week, during the trip, Kelly learned more about her father than she had in
0: 27 years. Over the trip, we're saying, oh, Dad, you know, don't lift the heavy suitcases. We'll do that now. We don't want you to get injured. You're getting older, blah, blah, blah. But little did we know that even though he's all of 5'5 or whatever, give him a bamboo stick and he's quite handy with it. We sort of said later, all that tennis probably paid off because you need quick hands to volley. She thought her parents were frail,
1: getting on. But after that holiday, she didn't see them like that anymore.
0: You do realise that your parents aren't as frail as you think, and they're a lot stronger, and to be honest, they've been around the block way more times than you have. As a child, when you get older, you kind of want to protect your parents, but for both mum and dad, they're big enough and ugly enough to look after themselves.
1: After everything that happened, Kelly wants to get her
0: dad something to commemorate the trip. I ended up going to a trophy shop and I got this um sort of a martial art trophy and I got it inscribed to dad, you know, for outstanding bravery. He was actually really chuffed and I was soaked, you know, he seemed to be chuffed anyway, that he had this little symbol of something that he'd gone through and to show how well he'd done.
1: That was Kelly Yang. And in case you were wondering, that was the last big trip her family went on. Though, a parent herself now, Kelly takes her two kids on plenty of trips, though, to the beach. Our sound engineer is Hamish Camilleri. Big thanks to Sam Wicks for his sound design and supervision. Sophie Townsend is our executive producer. This story was produced on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri and Gadigal peoples. If you haven't already, follow Days Like These on the ABC Listen app so you never miss an episode. And next time on Days Like These, Tiana Penitani takes the ball and runs with it. Pause, touch and hold, engage! Some friends had reached out to me to play rugby union, and I had played lots of different ball sports. So I'd played rugby league when I was younger. So I was like, yeah, I've done that. I had played netball. I'd played lots of touch, lots of Oz tag. So rugby union, I was like, "Well, that's interesting. I haven't played that sport. So I joined this team and I would probably played only two games. And then rugby sevens had started to rise as a really popular new sport. It had just been announced that they were going to include it in the 2016 Rio Olympics, which was huge at the time. So this was way back in 2012 that, you know, I was, I had just started playing rugby union 15s. It was, you know, the hot topic, rugby sevens is going to be in the next Olympics. And my ears pricked at that because I was like, hang on a second, this could be a ticket to the Olympics. It's my dream. That's next time on Days Like These. I'm Farza and I'll catch you then.
0: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.